All right, welcome into another episode of the News for Jags podcast. I'm Jamal St. Cyr alongside Justin Barney. Uh, it's a special kind of draft podcast. Look, uh, it's Combine Week, which is always fun. Do you have a favorite drill at the NFL Combine? Maybe? I love seeing the 40 the yard dash. 40 yard dash, okay. See the big guys today and seeing how those, you know, 330 pound offensive linemen get down the field. I love mm-hmm. it. You know, you could always count on maybe a spill at some point. I like seeing those. Yeah, forty yard dashes are fun. I like the broad jump. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because I was kind of good at broad jump all, all over the course of the years. Um, forty yards cool though. I, I I enjoy the NFL combine. I've always looked forward to it. Um, just because it's like really draft season's already here, but this is draft season like cranking up the speed. You're in full tilt at this point. This is when stuff starts to get like crazy. There's gonna all there every year. There is some player that you go into the combine that uh, people think is gonna be a late first-round guy who tests out of this world. The next thing you know, he's an early-round draft pick. Um, There's always a couple of guys like that, always a couple of guys. And I think that's the fun of the NFL Combine. Yeah, and you look back even to to Combine workout guys. I mean, it looked back even to the Bengals, Achilles Smith back in the day uh, when he was kind of that Combine workout warrior, Reggie Rimbert. I mean, it just goes back for guys have had these massive Combines Maybe a you know a day two pick going in, and then you have these combines where you throw up a lot of weight, or you have a great workout or something like that. So it's always going to be one of those guys. I think after the first really day of workouts, I think I've got a guy who may be one of those guys who really boosts his stock with Florida State. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens as as all the numbers really start to trickle in over the course of the week. All right, so. Uh, one of the things that we kind of always run into when we start getting to the point where we start doing these mock drafts is the argument between best player available or drafting for need. Now, the Jaguars have some needs. Um, even the, the the Jaguars brass seem to understand that they have some needs. And you have some needs at corner. They have some needs in the trenches on both sides of the football. Uh, and even maybe a big wide receiver need would be another one, a, a true X receiver. So the Jaguars, they got some guys they have to get whether it be in free agency or the draft. And the question is, do you use that first-round pick to address one of those needs, or do you go with maybe a best player available who isn't who isn't one of those guys, who isn't maybe at one of those positions, so for sake of conversation, maybe tight end. We'll dive into that a little bit uh, and throw out some some guys that are, that are top players, maybe those blue-chip guys, those star guys. Um, but I think – Everybody looks at it different. Even different NFL evaluators look at it different. Some teams always go best player available, and then there are some teams that tend to draft for need a little bit more. Um, Jaguars have been more of the team that has drafted for need in the past, but last year we kind of saw that shift. I know a lot of people weren't feeling maybe the Britain Strange pick, but that was kind of a, in their opinion, best player available kind of pick, not necessarily a need pick. Didn't turn out that way. Obviously the second. Yeah, yeah. Britain Strange, very disappointing work season. One touchdown catch, but just not really a factor. And you had other issues on the team I think you could have addressed. Um, there's a tight end in this year's draft I think you and I are. Uh, we like if he fell to them at some point, maybe at 17, you pick him, even though you used a second-round pick on Brent Strange last year. But I think you really have to draft best player available. I mean, with the exception of quarterback probably, I think you do draft the best player available if you're the Jaguars or any other team. I mean, I think you have to uh, look at your roster as a whole and say, hey, you know, Jamal and I've talked before about, you know, drafting Josh Allen's replacement or something like that in last year draft. I mean, do you do you do that where you can see a need developing down the line or do you stick to the best player available approach? I think you stick 
to that best player available approach. You, you know, you the worst thing you would do in the draft. And Jacksonville has not done this well. They've not drafted well historically. But you don't want to reach for that need. I mean, you look at a Tyson Alualu at ten way back in the draft, complete reach because you needed a interior defensive lineman to yep. reach for Tyson Alualu. So I think you draft best player available, and with the exception of quarterback. Um, but I think Jacksonville is in that mindset where you have to pick the best guy on your draft board. Yeah, look, I, I think that's the way to go. The Jaguars are at a point. like So one of the things that we talked about during the course of the playoffs a little bit, and I think we're going to have to keep talking about as we talk about this team, is who are the guys? Like, like They're guys, dudes, those blue chip, those elite players. When you go through the – you start looking at the Ravens or you start looking at the Chiefs, and you start going through those blue chip, those elite guys, it's a long list. It, it, it can get to be the point where it is a long list of players that you feel like are really, really good for them, blue chip, elite players. For the Jaguars, after you get past maybe, like, I don't, most people aren't going to get a full hand of players right. unless you just feel really good about a guy on the team. And then you start getting to those guys where maybe he could be or he kind of is. Like and, and those debatable players where these other teams, the San Francisco 49ers, have a list and it's it's not much up not much of it's up to debate up to debate. So the Jaguars need more elite guys. Right. If you're gonna take that that step to where you're an elite team, you have to have elite players to do it. And in order to do that, you gotta take what falls to you. This is a really at least in my opinion, this is a really good draft where the Jaguars should have an opportunity to get a player that is or will be or soon to be elite at their position. Now, the question is, is it a position that the Jaguars is going to need? We've talked about this topic ad nauseum over the years, Jamal, and it's there are just not enough alphas on Jacksonville. We've usually prefaced it before with who's the dog at receiver, who's that guy, the nasty edge coming off is going to get you 15, 20 sacks a year. Jacksonville just doesn't have those guys at all. You look at the Pro Bowl selections this year and Jacksonville had two guys you had Ross Matizic a long snapper and Josh Allen um you know those were the two guys elected to the Pro Bowl and that Evan Ingram obviously went as a, as a late addition but you don't have those elite kind of guys on Jacksonville with the exception of a Josh Allen maybe a Trayvon Walker's emerging into that but you just have a lack of true blue chip players I mean you talk about the Ravens the Niners Jamal I mean those yeah. those guys draft so well historically that it's almost like they have so many of those just alpha dogs on the team, be it mm -hmm. defensive line for the Ravens, defensive line. The, the Niners' defensive line was unbelievable, and that's what good drafting does, and Jacksonville has just not done that. Just not enough dogs on this team. Not enough dogs. Don't, no. don't have the killer instinct. Look, they, they, you got to add guys. So one of the things that when you kind of look at this team, and we kind of have dove into it, at least in my opinion, team building, you have to draft best player available, yep. at least in the early rounds. In some of the middle rounds, you can kind of go for some of those needs where you have thin spots on the roster and you need depth and you have to fill them out and you've kind of missed on that in free agency. That's fine. You shouldn't go into the draft just immediately needing a starter unless you have, like, the number one overall pick because you really don't know what you're going to have an option to get. Right. So you kind of have to fill, like, pencil some of those needs. But so that fir those first couple of picks should be at least – Round one, definitely round two, and maybe in round three. Got to be, who's the most talented guy on the board? Got to be impact players. It's got to be impact players. Got to. And they've just not done that. No. I mean, you look back at a draft where, 
a few years ago. I mean, the Urban Meyer, I mean, C.J. Henderson, you expected him to be me. good. And then with the pick from the uh, Jalen Ramsey trade, you get Caleb on Jason. I mean, two just forgettable guys, and that has been, you know, they've drafted good guys over the years. I mean, Telvin Smith, uh, not a day one draft pick, turned into a great player. Rasheen Mathis, really good player. Tony Brackens, if you wind it all the way back to 96, really good player. But there have been so many misses in the draft for Jacksonville. I mean, we're talking C.J. Henderson and Caleb on Chase on. I mean, they they may be out of the league in two or three years. Those guys were just that forgettable. And those have been Jacksonville's picks. And, and you just cannot build a good team because Jacksonville too often has had to rely on free agency. It's great to, to have a spending spree like we saw a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. But that's going to that's gonna happen once every blue moon. You can't, can't do that often. Use that to build a franchise. you got to spot fill with that free agency because, one, it costs a lot more money in free agency to bring those guys in. And that's why the Ravens, the Niners, those kind of teams have been so good yeah. at just consistency because they draft well. You get those guys on cheap contracts, mm-hmm. and you're not having to pay a Brandon Sheriff $20 million a year to come play right guard for you. You just can't. Those should be spot fills. Those should be teams making a run for the playoffs right. or Super Bowl kind of guy fillings. That's what Jacksonville and free agents should be, but you've not had to be been so bad. The the onus on Jacksonville has been bad through the player association, yep. agents and stuff like that. You're having to overpay for guys. So draft you cannot sound so basic and, and everything, but you've got to draft well. And Jacksonville just hasn't done it. Hey, they graded out well in the, the last report they card. That hey, that bad. report card came home. Jaguars top five in the NFL for their grades this year. So uh that might get them on the honor roll this go around from bottom five to top five. Talk about a turnaround. Good job there. But it, it's kind of easy to turn your grades around when you invest millions of dollars into a new practice facility. Under twenty million dollars a month. You know what, what was the biggest the biggest complaint from players? They didn't have chairs with backs near their lockers. I was like, you, you, I think you can find a chair in that locker room somewhere. Actually, you can't. Now that I'm thinking about, there are no chairs unless they go in like the players' lounge area. So. But whatever, it, hey, it's hey, a brand new locker. It's, it's, They're fine. It's, it's <laughs> positive news for the Jaguars because just go to Office Depot. They can get some chairs. You, you remember last year? I mean, the the takeaway from that was rats. Yeah, rats. The rats at TIA Bank Field, Everbank Stadium. It's just unacceptable. When that just fed into the national bad narrative about yep. Jacksonville. So going from 28 to five in this NFLPA ranking, this is players. These are employees that are giving this survey, mm-hmm. and that's a positive thing for Shad Khan and Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson ranked well. Uh, in the coaching metrics, mm-hmm. like Khan was uh, had a 9.6 out of 10 in the rankings um, as an owner and, and investing in the franchise. So that is great momentum for the Jaguars yeah. to have that, especially going into free agency. Yeah. All right. So uh, back to our, our kind of best player available kind of topic. All right. I know you've run a couple of simulations and, uh, and seen what who some of the elite players are. I got a few in mind that, that you hope slide and some that have, I've seen slide lately. Who slid in in your couple of run throughs just now? Okay, I've done I've done a couple mock drafts, one on PFF, uh, one on Pro Football Network, okay. and uh, it, it, kind of weird. I did another one too. I can't remember the name of the site, but Caleb Williams went tenth in that draft. Okay, that one's a little uh, weird. Well, credibility on that one, but in, <laughs> in the PFF and PFN drafts, Jared Verse fell to me in one of those mocks, okay. and Brock Bowers fell in the other one, and there was a couple cornerbacks there. Um, Cooper Dijon actually went high in one and lower in the other. So they're, you know, the, the consensus, I think, really of cornerbacks is they're not that true elite, elite guy. You know, you're talking Sauce Gardner at, at two, three, kind of. There's not that cornerback in this draft. And um, so there's a lot of variety in those cornerbacks. Yeah. But um, the two guys who fell to me in the, in the mock drafts that I trust, um, Brock Bowers, tight end, and um, Jared Verse, 
edge at Florida State. Be, I'd love either of those guys. All right, let's start with Brock Bowers because that, that would be the signify of definitely not a need. Yeah. Definitely, it is, it is the farthest thing from a need for this Jaguars team because they've, they've already paid Evan Ingram. They just drafted Britton Strange. Like to yep. draft a tight end at that point in the draft would be the farthest thing from a need. That is a huge luxury pick. I think there would be a lot of upset fans, but there would be also be some happy fans, but I would be all on board with it. Absolutely. Look, Brock Bowers is hands down has been a playmaker for Georgia from day one. He's the best tight end in the draft, and he is an offensive playmaker. I'm going to guess that Doug Peterson, Press Taylor, could figure out how to draw some plays up with Evan Ingram and Brock Bowers out on the field. I just, just, just a guess. I'm I would still say. I would love that. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm a Bulldog guy, uh, but it reminds me of the kind of the, the Jalen Carter issues from last year you know he had issues with traffic issues stuff sure speeding tickets and stuff like that um and there were talks about him falling into fit you know the 15 to 20 range which at the time you know a month out from the draft you're like could this really be possible and he obviously didn't fall that far in the draft then yeah i've seen a lot of mocks with brock bowers being available in that 15 16 17 range and it's like this kind of leads into our conversation today of the draft the best player available and at 16 at 17 i mean on a lot of draft boards yeah. i think brock bowers would be truly i mean he, he's steel yeah i mean steel you know he's he's projected by some to be in that kyle pitts kind of realm where he's that true game changer at tight end and yeah right. he does not fit a need whatsoever no. with jacksonville we got evan Brent strange he does not feel a need whatsoever but if you have best player available and you think into the future with Evan is going to be more and more expensive for this contract gets into your drafting his replacement potentially. So yeah, I think that that Brock Bowers um, falling to Jacksonville at 17 is a good kind of a test case for this. It, it, I mean, it's perfect. Look, ultimately I, I don't even look at him as a tight end. The dude is yeah. a playmaker. He it's, it's adding a playmaker to your offense, a new tool to the toolbox for them to figure out how to work with. Um, one of the things, like Daniel Jeremiah, who is a former AFL scout, he, one of the things he threw out as, as Brock Bowers was sliding in some of the, his mocks that he was doing was that really if you draft a tight end too high, there's, you go into the positional value. And if you draft a tight end too high, that, that contract is so close to what a franchise tag on a tight end is. So you're not getting that value for them that high. For the Jaguars at 17? There's plenty of value. I mean, there's meat on that bone. Uh, so if he's there, I understand. It's not a need. And I know there would be a lot of upset people. But you know what gets people happy? Touchdowns. And Brock Bowers would be scoring touchdowns in Jacksonville, and all of a sudden people would be real happy and forget all about that upset stuff real fast. And You know, and that could go, <laughs> that could go any variety of number of ways. I mean, you're talking, I mean, obviously the, the Caleb Williams things was would never happen. No. Right? But, I mean, you look back last year, if Jalen Carter had fallen to Jacksonville, I mean, he would have had to fall at 24. But, I mean, you had, you know, a scenario like that where Jalen Carter, consensus top five to seven pick on many big boards, falls to in that 10 range. I mean, you've got a pretty big consideration to draft that best player available, trade out of the pick, something like that. So I think if uh, the Brock Bauer situation this mm -hmm. year, you know, rivals that Jalen Carter situation last year not I don't think I mean I honestly don't think Brock Bowers falls to 17 I just don't know it's going to be uh, emulate to me the Jalen Carter thing where I think Brock Bowers is, is maybe a, goes as low as 10 or 11 I don't think he falls to that I don't think he does either I, I, I don't think he's ultimately on the board it's going to be tough for a few of those teams 
the Chargers, the Jets, I mean, even Tennessee to pass on a guy like Brock Bowers. So, with that in mind, the other guy you mentioned, Jared Verse. So, Jared Verse is an interesting guy because last year he was like a lock Mm -hmm. uh, to go early in the draft, probably as edge number one. He goes back to school, wants to win that natty with uh, Florida State. Obviously, that didn't happen. And now he's got a little bit more competition to maybe be edge one. Uh, in the draft this year, so maybe going to go a few picks later, but he is an immensely talented player. He's a guy who started his college football career at Buffalo, wasn't heavily recruited, used the COVID year. He said his dad set him up a gym in the in the basement or at their house, and he just was lifting and eating and went back to school after the COVID year, and next thing you know, he had put on 50, 60 pounds, and he was throwing guys around on the practice field, and then he was at Florida State. Yeah. So uh, here here's the one connection that I want to throw out there with Jared Verse. So last year, all of the mocks and all the connections for Jared Verse, and this was really early in the process before when he pulled his name out, but early on a lot of people were saying that Atlanta had done a lot of homework on him, needed an edge, and they liked him. Lo and behold, Ryan Nielsen was Atlanta's defensive coordinator, and now he's in Jacksonville, so he might know a thing or two about Jared Verse. Maybe, maybe he likes him. Yeah, hey, and that's, again, another guy probably won't be there at 17. I don't know. I don't know about him. Because some of those corners, you, you, let's say three quarterbacks go, yep. uh, the, some of those receivers are going to go. So you figure at least three receivers are gone. That's six picks right there. Yep. Let's say at least two of the offensive linemen go. So we're at that's eight. Yep. I figure at least one of the corners is going to go. So that's nine. I mean, you're going to start just kind of sprinkling in stuff. There, the, Dallas Turner's probably gone before the Jaguars are there. That's ten. So we're not, I mean, there's not a whole lot of ground left to cover where all of a sudden Jared Verse on the board. Okay. But, and if Leatu Latu grades out well health-wise, he might go before the Jaguars pick two. Okay, now do you consider, this This kind of goes into, I mean, looking long-term, Josh Allen, Trayvon Walker, adding an edge. We've talked about last year, adding, you know, last year in the draft, Jamal and I banging the drum, you know, to different degrees, but mm-hmm. banging the drum on getting a pass rusher they did not do that until later in the drafts uh your your number one pass rush pick was uh Yusir Abdullah who was uh, kind of just a, a forgettable rookie season just wasn't that guy yet um even though coaching staff deemed him like a fastball or whatever whatever we heard of yeah. him uh Yusir Abdullah wasn't that guy yet maybe in year two he is but do you pick with Josh Allen we both expect Josh Allen to be back obviously Trayvon is is hitting his peak going into year three you spend the 17th pick in the draft when there are other needs uh, in a Ryan Nielsen offense. We know they're heavy on corner. You know mm-hmm. they need another Trey Herndon's time is probably up at Jacksonville. You need a strong nickel corner. Yep. Darius Williams may not be back. Do you pick in in probably what a lot of people consider a luxury pick? Do you pick a guy like Jared Verse at 17? If you have Jared Verse graded out higher than the corners, 100%. Okay. I, look, I think a couple of those corners are going to be gone. Realistically, I think two corners are probably gone before the Jaguars pick. So you're you're going with maybe the third corner on your board, possibly, where as opposed to Jared Verse is different from Dallas Turner. He's different from uh, Leatu Latu player-wise. Uh, the one thing that like people keep throwing out there that the Jaguars love Daniil Hunter. Jared Verse is a lot more similar to Hunter than he is to Josh Allen, just just play style wise. So he might fit what the Jaguars really like. The one thing I like about Jared Verse, he's just got that dog, that it factor. 
He's got a chip on his shoulder from the way his college career started. I mean, this is a guy that wants it. So you're going to get 100 miles an hour with his hair on fire every single play. And that's the thing that we talk about. Like, the Jaguars need some of that grit. You need some of that nasty like that on the team, yeah. and he has the personality for it. And you're not just drafting for mentality and, and stuff like that because there are other guys in the draft. But Jared First is extremely talented. I mean, he re- wreaked havoc. Every time Florida State needed a big play late in the season, yeah. especially once, like, like people gave him grief when Jordan Travis went down. Oh, well, the offense can't score. Well, the defense kind of picked up. Yeah. They, they rose up, and and they needed a big play. All of a sudden, there's Jared Verse driving a tackle into the quarterback, making like making the play yeah. because he showed up in those moments, and those are the kind of guys you kind of want. And he's not a huge guy. Uh, like defensive line wise, like he's not gonna strand next to Trayvon Walker, and you're gonna be like twins. No, he's not that big, but he is a large guy in his own right who understands kind of some of the technique and things, what you're doing. And I think he's gonna be a really good player in the league. And I wouldn't, it wouldn't be bad for the Jaguars to add another edge to this team. Yeah, I, you need pass rush. I think you need interior pass rush yep. more than edge pass rush. But hey, if he's your best player available, I think you you go for him. Um, I don't think there's going to be – I mean, again, Josh Allen, let, let's just play the game that he's going to get the franchise tag. Okay, that's a one-year deal for Josh Allen. He's not guaranteed to come back the following year, and players tend to have a little bit of friction when they get that franchise tag because they want the long-term security. So, you know, Jamal and I had this conversation, I think, heading into the draft last year. Do you draft that replacement of that player? Do you draft, you know, Evan Ingram's replacement and Brenton Strange last year who – you know, the Jags probably hope they were going to get a little bit more out of Brenton. Do you draft uh, um, an edge like Jared Verse in the the mindset of that's a Josh Allen potential replacement? So um, I do think there's a little bit of looking forward in that. I think Jared Verse would be uh, a great pick for Jacksonville for that defense. You got to add some ferocity to that pass rush. Um, I'd like to see it come more from the interior of that defensive line because I think that's where they're really lacking. Um, but, man, I would not be dissatisfied at all with Brock Bowers at 17 or Jared Verse. All right, I mean, look, and I'll throw out one more scenario for you. So let's say they keep Cam because, uh, I mean, when Doug Peterson and Trent basically talked this week, it sounded like they, I mean, one of them said, I think it was Trent, yep. that Cam's under contract. He expects Cam to be with the team. So let's just say they keep Cam. They extend him, whatever, get the number down. So you go in, you're going into the season or going into the draft with Cam and Anton penciled in as your starting tackles. But then, lo and behold, Fuaga or uh, Fatanu or somebody, one of the elite tackles in this year's class. Even let's just get crazy. Let's say Joe Alt falls to the Jaguars and they're sitting there and their best player on their board is a tackle at 17. Would you do it? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, good. Look, you're talking about not only a money savings when Cam moves on in 2025. But you're talking a potential cornerstone 10, 12-year starter uh, who you could put at guard at some point this year in his rookie year and then move him over at, at you know, conceivably right or left tackle. Banton moved to left tackle. Um, when Cam moved on, I mean, I think that would be fantastic. We saw how bad that offensive line was. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you read this at the draft or read into this, but did you get the feeling kind of they were comfortable to come, to almost run it back with a lot of their – yeah, I didn't like the the, the kind of uh, justification. It was Doug Peterson when he somebody asked him about the offensive line. He basically used the excuse that we've heard time and time again of 
the excuse of injuries. Oh, well, the group never got to play together. Uh, like our starting five that was penciled in only played so a couple of games together, blah, 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 blah. And look, is that a, a realistic answer? Yes. Is that a, a answer that you should be given at this point? No, because there was room for improvement. You never added depth to the offensive line. I think we started talking about it during training camp that the, there was a red flag that the, the offensive linemen were banged up and it was thin behind them. So it, it, it's, it was an issue that you could see. You could see it coming, and then it showed up. They traded for Ezra Cleveland. That wasn't wasn't able to uh, fix the problem because he got hurt. Yep. So I, I don't. I I kind of got the feeling listening to Doug that that ultimately, yeah, the Jaguars kind of. It, it it feels like listening to them that they want to run it back with their offensive line and say, oh well, the guys were hurt. Let's give them another go and, and see if a, a healthy group of these five guys will get better results rather than making any drastic changes. Terrible, terrible. Yeah. And it says. Doug and Trent, I mean, do I need to give them your login to PFF because they could see the grade of the previous <laughs> offensive line? You add Anton Harrison to the mix. You take out Jawan Taylor. They're they're basically a wash for the for that trade off there in our metrics. That offensive line was not good. It was bottom third of the league yeah. when they had Juwan, when they had Cam, when they had you know, and Cam towards the end of that season, obviously towards meniscus and missed the the latter half of the year. Walker Little filled in. But you, you did not have a good offensive line, even with a healthy Cam Robinson in 2022. It was not good. It was not a good offensive line. It played better, of course. It played better. Um, Juwan got the big payment from uh, from Casey and left. You added Anton. So, you know, kind of a wash when you look at how Anton played against how Juwan played. But that the offensive line was not good in that playoff season. It, it was serviceable, and you run it back with the same guy, you know, essentially the same guys. And it stunk, and it was awful. And, yeah, you played one, maybe one and a half games together with the, the five guys that you expected, and they lost that game. And they weren't good. They rushed for 45 yards in that game, too, that they played together. So, yeah, you know, offensive line continuity matters. It's significant, that repetition. I mean, in our job, it's, you know, you're comfortable with each other. It yeah. helps, play, you know, the chemistry. Yep. But – they weren't good to begin with. They right. were below average. They were below the league average during their playoff year. So why run it back? To me, that's arrogance um, and not addressing a situation that you and I hammered repeatedly. And Trevor had the worst year, I mean, probably mental year of his career. Um, you're expecting so much, and you have that slide off, the, the physical injuries he endured. Right. You've got to get better. And I don't think drafting a, a tackle at 17, I would not be upset at that. I mean, mm. I look back to – Back in the Tom Coffin days when they drafted Marcus Stroud and John Henderson in back-to-back drafts to just absolutely fortify that fortify. line. Yep. Yeah. Draft a defensive tackle high one year, draft another one the next. Fans are like, why? Why are we doing that? We got it last year. But again, you want to get beefed up in the trenches. Tom Coughlin felt that way. That Stroud-Henderson draft mm-hmm. back proved that. So I think you take the best player available. Look, I, I, tackle or not. I think that's the way to go. Look, they, they clearly don't think the offensive line issue is that drastic. Because keep in mind, when they, they started making coaching changes, the offensive line coach wasn't one of them. The assistant offensive line coach got the boot, but the main offensive line coach was back. So clearly they believe in some of the injury stuff. So even some of the centers that, um, like I've kind of gone back and revised some of my, my free agency notes. I think they're going to bring in a free agent center. I hate to tell you Jackson Powers Johnson fans, I don't think he's in the cards. Um, I think they're going to bring in a low-level free agent center. Um 
to compete with Luke Fortner, but I don't think they're going to promise the job. They're not going to sign a starter. I just get a feeling maybe the guy from like Tennessee. Yeah, I can't think of his name right now, but he's a, he's really athletic. He started some games. You could probably get him on a one or two year deal for a single digit, single million digit like contract. Yep. And I I feel like they'll bring in a guy in that tier to compete with Luke, and uh, that might be the most drastic change you see on that thing. Yeah. If I was Cooper Hodges. If I was Cooper Hodges, or if I was Cooper Hodges' coach, or if Cooper Hodges' family, he should be somewhere right now snapping the football. Because he's 6'3", he can play center. He can play center. And they're, if they're keeping Brandon Sheriff, which it kind of looks like, so there's no direct spot into a lineup for him, if I'm Coop, you go after the wink link. Yeah. He, he was a tackle in college, he moved to guard in the NFL, they liked him at guard, great. Go learn to snap the football and be the starting center. They That's like just Cooper. me. Seventh-round pick. They held on to him all year. You could have got rid of the guy. Yep. I mean, they obviously like Cooper Hodges, so, hey, I'm with you. Yeah. yeah. And hey. I'm with you on, I think, for whatever reason, Trent Baalke is married to Luke Fortner, the idea of keeping him. Um, and it, to me, the the excuse of injuries, continuity, all that, of course, everybody in the NFL has injuries. Everybody. Everybody has injuries in the NFL. Can't use that excuse. You don't have the bodies on that line. You don't have the talent. It was a below average line right. before all the injuries occurred, before the attrition, um, and you just don't have the talent. You don't have the dogs on the offensive line. I mean, Cam Robinson is nasty. You need that nastiness. Got kicked out of a game last year oh. uh, with some uh, some bad blood tools and uh, the old Auburn guy. Um, but, again, I think you need some of that Cam Robinson nastiness spread across that line. They just don't have enough dogs on the offensive line. No, they got to add some dogs in the uh, around the locker room. So, We'll see what they do. Look, the, the Combine's this week, so we'll keep be keeping an eye on that. Maybe our next episode we'll get some of uh, the big risers from the Combine and kind of work through that as we continue to kind of try and guide through the offseason. If you're you're watching every episode or if, you, if you're listening to them, you, you may not see some of the changes that are going on all over the place. Uh, but if you're watching, uh, look, we're, we're adding some things each time we do one of these. So uh, so we've, we've definitely got some stuff uh, stuff coming or around the corner as we continue to, to get better with our new digs. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us here on the News for Jags podcast, and we'll see you next time.